I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. FM 104. What in the name of God is that? We'll be chatting to sex expert, neuroscientist and author, Dr. And Nan Wise a little bit later on right now, though. Room 104's Control-Alt-Delete. Oh. Today's Tech Today. It is today's Tech Today, fresh off the old take, 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 tech bakery line. Uh, first up, 3D printed guns. Why do we need them? Uh, yeah, I suppose we don't need them at all, but police over in Spain raided a factory where they found some lad just churning them out. And is it really easy to, to do? So, I've never played around with a 3D printer, but they're using it for everything from food to manufacturing. Mm. So you can make little 3D printed cakes and you just get the plans for something like you would on a normal printer that we have and upload and go click print and then it goes ahead and makes a little model of it. And it, like they can print in plastics and different materials. But going around online are plans for a... Um, assault rifle that costs you $100 to buy these plans and if you have a 3D printer you can build this gun at home so it'll give you the plans for like the the barrel of the gun the trigger of the gun all the components of the gun and it's obviously very difficult to control that mm. and ban that and outlaw that so if you have a certain type of 3D printer you can kind of print print and assemble your own guns it's just not needed it's no, dangerous. It's, it's yeah. It's getting into the into the obviously the wrong hands. Yeah, scary territory. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, very cool. Three D printing is going to be used to like print new organs. limbs and yeah. organs and yeah, yeah. F- and amazing food. And it'll be three D printing like artificial steak and all this mad stuff. But then obviously on the flip side of that, you have people who are doing things like this. So the raid took place back in September of last year in Spain, but it was only released. News of it was only released recently. Um, over the last couple of days. So it turns out that the Spanish police found raw materials for printing out explosives in this warehouse as well. And there was manuals on guerrilla warfare, white supremacist literature, Nazi memorabilia. It's when crazy-ass groups like this are getting the ability to just control P mm. and a gun. It's kind of like a replicator from Star Wars. You know those things where you just like, give me anything and it just makes it. Um, but yeah, homemade Another thing to add to the list of global things to worry about. Homemade printed guns. 3D printed guns. Wow. Yep. Don't get your kid a 3D printer now. They'll be making themselves guns. So, How uh, much are 3D printers though? Are they stupidly expensive? I, I, I think so. There'll be a couple of grand at yeah. least. I'm pretty much. And obviously the ones that are like manufacturing scale or been able to churn out um, 3D weapons, 3D printed weapons and stuff would be a, a bit pricey. But you know, 
uh, affordable if a load of crazies got together yeah. and, and wanted to get their hands on it. So um, that was one story that came out of Spain with 3D printed guns. Uh, moving on, Amazon are moving into the hairdressing market. What? Yeah, what? It's like they, they have everything. They started off selling books online. Now yeah. they sell everything online. They have massive servers. They have TV. They want to control everything. They've launched what I can only describe is a hairdressing, a new modern technology-based hairdressers over in London. You know the way the Apple shop is all fancy and techy and you go and you're like, oh, this is yeah. cool. Uh, they've launched this shop, this first ever tech salon over in uh, East London. But what it does is it combines augmented reality with your hairdressing experience. So you know the way you went and messed up your own head with the wrong colour? Yeah, yeah. So if you went into this hair salon, you could sit in front of big giant mirrors that have cameras in them, and then you can go through a range of different colour options and hairstyle options before you get it done. Now this is brilliant. Why have they not thought about this? Yeah, because remember this came out with um, going shopping for clothes. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I've never obviously used anything like that, but I think, some big shops have that where you can go into the dressing room virtually and yeah, see what and it looks like on you. Yeah, and I think you can, can you really scan a picture of yourself yeah. and upload it and then you can try on different clothes and see how they'll fit based exactly. on your body shape and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, I never thought that it could obviously work for your hair as well. Yeah, so easy, I imagine, and I imagine it's easy enough as well that you just sit down there and it changes your colour. We've loads of those filters on TikTok and yeah. Instagram at the moment, but you know, if you're worried about a new colour and you want to obviously virtually try it out before you do, you can now go into this new Amazon-powered hair salon, sit down in front of the mirror and go, well, I want to go blonde but I look like blonde and there in front of you you will see yourself blonde or you'll see yourself brown or with slightly shorter hair or a different kind of style because at the moment you have to just find a picture of some girl usually it's a girl you find really attractive and you're like I want to look like her not her hair necessarily then they do her hair on yours and you look like muck yeah (laughs) and they give you a book and you pick out the colour you know it's the fake synthetic hair and it's there and it's different colours and you just Pick one. And you just yeah. have to go with it. This yeah. is genius. So, yeah, not a bad idea at all. You just obviously would have to make sure that the bottle or the dye that works is the actual colour that you're seeing in the mirror. Yeah, that'd be awkward if it wasn't. Yeah, but um, not a bad one. I said we've had the tech for a while. Amazon are putting this into a, a salon over in uh, East London where you'll be able to go in and just... It's a concept store, but you'll be able to go in and kind of mess around and see different hairstyles on you and kind of sit down and buy the products then, buy the the correct one. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so, so you can do that. Yeah. So that's happening. AOR, augmented reality hairdressers could be a thing in the future. Now, we all hate Zoom calls. Oh, we are really, really lucky in that. I think Zoom calls are fine if it's just you and one other person. Yeah. I, I think that's fine. I think any more than one other person, you start running into problems. So if you've been on video calls over the last while... And especially one or two, one or two a day is probably too much. But you know, they're what we have to deal with it for the most part. But it turns out they're making you dumb, and they're making your team or your class or everyone who is on those together collectively dumber. I I can see why. Yeah. Because you kind of sit there like a robot. Yeah. What's the worst thing about video conference calls when there's more than two people? So, so myself and Saoirse on a on a daily basis, we kind of just do a video call. It's only me and you. Yeah. We'll bang out some ideas, blah, blah, blah. That's all fine. And we'll, we'll have to do the prep from the show for, from home. And then we come into the studio and that's not too bad. The odd time we have to be roped into staff video calls, mm-hmm. which are fine. But what would you say are the worst things about video conference calls? I guess it's because, as you said, one-on-one, it's kind of like just being in a room with that person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no difference, I don't think. But there's other people on a call. You kind of get lost in the call. You kind of have to sit there more passively. And 
it's hard to get your words in because it's like eh, eh, eh. and then other people are talking over you and you're like do you know what I just give up yeah that that's actually what you've hit the nail on the head there right so Carnegie Mellon Business University Business School a fairly famous business school over in the States have conducted a little bit of research as to the problem with video conference calls and that's the one thing I hate about them is you'll get these moments where no one's talking at all yeah and then you get another moment where seven people are all talking to one time and just it's mm. chaos turns out that Phone calls, if you were to do a group a group meeting, a group phone call is much better than a group video call. Oh, interesting. For creative problem solving. So if you are meeting up at work and you've got an issue that you need to sort out, if you've got an idea that you need to come up with, or you've got some campaign or some plan to do something, the problem is there's two different ways we synchronize our behavior. Mm. Uh, facial expressions and facial cues. So if someone wants to talk, maybe, you know, they're going to lean in or if they don't have anything to say, they'll be leaned back mm. or they might, you know, if someone's got a, a confused look on their face, you might be able to tell, oh, they don't get this and you can adjust your behavior that way. The other way, though, is that we listen to how we talk. So there's the visual facial, facial cues that yeah. we pick up on and synchronize. There's also the oral uh, listening to the words in which we say mm. and because of the slight delay on video conferencing calls and because the mics are terrible on your phone and on your laptops we can't hear each other properly so we aren't able to synchronise up our conversation properly so we wind up falling out of sync and it's so off-putting that no one just wants to bother anymore because you, as you said you go to say something you're like what about and then it's oh sorry someone else is talking mm. and it just creates this real tense awkward horrible environment where you can't actually get anything done so the solution apparently is if you have more call based meetings mm. with really good mics so you can hear people talking and you can hear the rhythm of their voice and people are more synced up that way that's apparently much better for coming up with solutions to your problems in school or in business or in college that's interesting. And I will also say you're more rigid, I think, on Zoom calls because you're kind of sitting in one spot. You're staring down a camera lens. So yeah, you yeah, might yeah. not yeah. react. Your body language might not react like you normally would if you were in a meeting room. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because even so, sometimes when you're in a meeting, you can get up and move around or whatever. And, you, people, and people know, as I said, you can see on someone's body language whether or not they have something to say because you mm. know when someone gets someone gets decided to say something they're either leaning in or they put their hand up and go sir yeah, sir yeah, yeah. sir and again all those facial expressions you can kind of half see them on a zoom call but when you haven't um, synced up this is what's called your prosodic synchrony now prosodic sounds very inappropriate prosodic synchrony so that is uh, syncing up your intonation the tone the stress and the rhythm of your speech we can't do that very well via a video conferencing call because of the delays, because of the the noise in the room, the mics are terrible. So when that all falls off, uh, the collective intelligence of the people you're on the call with falls away and you can't really get too much done. Yeah, no, I totally agree with this. Yeah. Because even creatively, if you're stuck on a Zoom call and you're staring down a screen, you're not really moving around... You don't feel like you can kind of look down on a piece of paper and sort of yeah. jotting down stuff. You're just more rigid. Yeah. 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 Because you can't. It's it's just a horrible, horrible experience when you try to pipe up yeah. because of that half a second delay. Oh, so Someone. Because if you think about it, like you're wired to wait a half a second to see is everyone all right mm. and then you don't hear anything for your half a second and then you move on but then by the time the delay gets to you or somebody yeah. else oh, it's just and then you don't want to be that person in five or ten minutes time on the meeting so you've absolutely no idea what's going on but you don't put your hand up and you just kind of go like yeah that's fine just have to go along with oh, it yeah. that's fine at all yeah 
So that is the case. So it's a case for trying to come up with uh, better mic'd um, conference calls that are just audio as opposed to, to video. So that was a study that came out of Carnegie Mellon University there, School of Business, showing that your collective intelligence, your ability to problem solve with a team of people in a classroom or in a work setting is unfortunately reduced when you're sitting on a video conference call because we can't... I suppose it's the one downside to working remotely. We, we, we lose that immediate feedback from people yeah. and the conversation and it's just... Yeah, it's Horrible. not good really, is it? Although, you know what, would you rather continue to do that or sit in traffic for an hour every day on the M50? I prefer the Zoom call, but I can imagine if you had to do a few a day, yep. it's horrible. Because yeah. I think it's a little bit of a waste of time for the most part. And for that reason alone. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I am not investing in Zoom. Uh, final story today now is an, of ethical concern from an MIT Media Lab researcher called Kate Darling. Uh, she's an expert on technological ethics and is worried about uh, robots that we're all developing. Yeah. But in particular, sex robots. Oh, she's now worried about them. Worried about the technological implications of sex robots. Okay, so sex robots, whether we like it or not, they are here. We've spoken to people on the show before who build them, who test them out. They're like 10, 20, 30 grand. Yeah. They will respond to you. They will look at you. They can speak. They have personalities you can program into them. Insane, right? This person and this researcher from MIT worries that these companies that are building these sex robots might start exploiting people and creating in-app purchases or in-doll purchases when someone is with the doll. So you know the way when you're playing uh, an, a game, have you ever got like Candy Crush or what's the other one, oh, Animal yeah. Farm? Yeah. You run out of tokens and it's like, oh hey, you can't play for another 12 hours, but like oh, you can yeah. you can pay to, to get this right now. She worries that if these dolls kind of come online, she says, I worry the companies may try to take advantage of people who are using the very emotionally persuasive technology. For example, a sex robot exploiting you in the heat of the moment with a compelling in-app purchase. Oh my God! (laughs) To finish, 99 cents or the robot's shutting down. Can you imagine? Oh, you'd be fuming. Oh, you'd be like, my God. I mean, I don't know how that would work in practicality, but she's saying... You, they obviously could be programmed to exploit you that you know you want all of this and then it's like oh well actually if, if you, you want all those premium features now maybe they'll give the, the dolls away for cheaper so instead of 20 grand they're 5 grand but they're going to milk literally so much more money out of you by oh you're nearly done oh well oh, if you want an extra 5 minutes with me you're going to have to pay up an extra 5 quid kind of thing my god sex workers would be horrified by this like they're taking all their jobs and their money. Yeah, and a lot more of their money. You know, the sex workers pay you for the hour, but now you spend a bit of money on this and they're like, well, if you want extra services, you're going to have to pay. If you want the premium experience with the doll, you're going to have to pay. Oh, you can't use me for another six hours. Being shafted by a sex doll. <laughs> who'd have thought? My God. Uh, who'd have thought that? But yeah, so that's one of her worries, that if you do go out and buy one of these, that this is the way in which they could use it, that they could program the dolls to extract more money out of you, to, to gamify the experience a little bit and to kind of bleed you for money. In the same way that, you know, sometimes you hear the stories of parents opening up their phone bill and they're like, oh my God, 200 quid on the app store because of levelling up on Candy Crush mm. or, you know, the way there's games now you can have in-app purchases on Warzone and Call of Duty and all those things. It might become the same with sex robots. So just be warned. Maybe the problem is you buying the sex doll in the first place I listen each to their own if you want to fall in love with a sex doll and use that and not have a relationship with a real human being what are us women going to do 
by sex male dolls. They're out there as well. We don't want that. We they won't leave the towels on the wet towels on the bed. That's true. They won't leave uh, the shaved beard trimmings in the sink. The only reason I'd be afraid of a male sex robot is that for some reason the thing gets like stuck or uh there might be an emergency release button, would there be? Imagine there wasn't. But imagine that, you know, something went wrong and a bit of the thing went inside you or something. I'd just be afraid that right, the yeah. robot would be too robotic for my liking. Okay, and might break. Might break. Uh, something might happen. Tragically. Right, yeah, yeah. And imagine you're pregnant with a little robot baby. Like, wow. my God, how did this happen? <laughs> robot baby. You'd be like, this is so weird. <laughs> Comes out, it's got no legs and everything. Oh, it's wow. just a weird torso. It's like, hello, mom. <laughs> I love you. Where is dad? I threw him out years ago when I found a real human. Yeah, that'd be a weird TV show. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Watch out for the in-app purchases that might be coming in uh, sex robots down the line. Speaking of sex, you're going to hear from a sex expert and neuroscientist on the science behind orgasms and this new thing called the G-Scale. The orgasm G-Scale she has created for women to help them improve their experience of pleasure in the bedroom. That's on the way shortly. Daniel Bloom now out of time. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. FM 104. Uh, football clubs over in England who are forming the European Super League and planned on, you know, joining a few other European teams. Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham have this evening joined Manchester City in withdrawing from proposals for a European Super League. Chelsea, it doesn't seem, have officially come out and have left, but United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham and City have all officially pulled out from the European Super League. Woo! I've had to ask you to explain all of this to me during the break because I don't really understand it. It kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, There had been apparently talk about this for the last while. I didn't understand it too well, but apparently those clubs, so United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, City and Chelsea as well, along with, I think, Barcelona, Madrid, a few of the other European big boys. The lads are usually all playing in the Champions League. Anyway, they all said they're going to form a midweek league where it'll just be the top 20 European clubs playing. Mm. You won't really be able to qualify for this group. It'll just be a pay-to-play kind of thing. You can't get relegated from it. And JP Morgan were going to be the big, huge financial institution that we're going to be guaranteeing the lads or the clubs an extra 350 million quid per year. So no fun for the fans to be watching? Like, no fun for the old fans. Because I imagine the idea was to bring it to a new audience and have this like super league where it's just more of an American format than a football format so it would mean the teams I suppose playing in the league couldn't exactly qualify for this league because you just bought into it you couldn't get relegated from it there was a huge amount of cash put up front and then the real problem was uh, it means that these clubs were get, clubs were getting an extra 350 million per year six clubs in England would be 350 million better off every year so that's obviously going to create a huge gap in resources and development and everything else so the boys at the top would be far better off than the boys at the bottom. Now, do the players get paid more? Not that they need it, but... I don't know. I don't know if they would. I'm sure certain, some of the players in their contracts... Now, some of the Liverpool players came out this evening as well and were like, yeah, we're not really up for this. It kind of meant that they are playing, would be playing more matches as well, mm. which meant that the quality of the league might get screwed over. And then a lot of the fans were like, this is just for money. There's no real reason to do this. Like, none of the fans were ever calling for this. And they were like, well, what's, what's the point? But now the big foreign owners were like, oh, money... 
And then there's the other issue of like Barcelona is apparently like a billion quid in debt and lost 100 million last year. So they're like, what about money? And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's hard to resist. Maybe we'll do money. So um, if you were a fan of one of those clubs that was in, um, United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, City have officially withdrawn from their proposals for European Super League. So that's happened. Also, um, there was a few people stepped down. Uh, Woodward from United stepped down and was like, good luck, see you, bye. So that has happened this evening. If there is any other updates, we will uh, share them with you tonight as well. Also, the trial... George Floyd's uh, trial, the death, his death, where the former police officer Derek Chauvin was on, he has been convicted of all charges. So that came out about an hour ago. The uh, verdict was released. So he has been convicted of murder and manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. He had pleaded not guilty to all three charges, but he has since um, been convicted. So sentencing will be happening. More on that up on fm104.ie if you want to check it out. And a set of Benton comes in from the Premier League. Um. yeah we'll keep you updated but Arsenal and all the clubs have been issuing statements saying good luck see you bye so that's uh, the end it looks like it's going to be the end of the European Super League who knows though it may not be but anyway um, back to business tonight let's get down let's get down to fingers give you one more night before we bust to get this every week here on the show we've been taking different parts of Dublin and remixing them into a song like that one Let's Get Down to Fingless uh, Tiesto's The Fingless up online if you want to check it out uh, la- well a week or two ago yup 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 I'll be Bally Brack in a minute we had Bally Brack <laughs> uh, which was a popular one as well the uh, argu- well arguably the most famous one touch me in again I'm Bondi for you Keith a beautiful one we know uh, Keith likes to listen to the show and always uh, starts crying when we play the firm wait for it wait for it that's my oh, favourite bit here we go turn up so bad so bad by uh, the way someone just messaged in going I know Saoirse is singing again yeah as in like uh, oh no Saoirse singing again or oh no Saoirse singing again uh, yeah oh no Saoirse singing again which oh, is yeah. just Awful, really. Cl- yeah, Clondalkin's been done. Like, I like to think they got progressively less bad as the weeks have gone on. I think, you know, as I said, it's in the ear of the beholder. Like, you think that my slogan song was terrible. It's and horrific, I yeah. genuinely thought that was one of the best, the strongest ones we've had. No. It probably got the most um, traction. A lot of people ask for it. A lot of people still reference that today. So I'm I'm actually very proud of that. Mm. Uh, then, of course, Tala got probably the most um, oh, widespread. Oh, yeah. Tala was, Tala was a good song. That got played out at Tala Stadium, which we've mentioned. Mm. So um, this evening, we just don't know, this is going to be the final one we're doing for this foreseeable future due to unpopular demand. The final one and final area of Dublin we will be doing. So we've done Fingless to Lorgan, Cabra, Tala, Dremna, Walkinstown, Ballybrack, Clontarf, Blanche, as well, and Swords. Swords. Now, brilliant idea from Adrian. Adrian has said, do one of Dublin and get all the places in. Oh, like a whopper one. Yeah, a whopper song. Because this is our finale. It is our finale. You're putting the pressure on now. Yeah, finale. This needs to be huge. We need the best scaldy banger we can get. Oh, God, that's that's. I'm still going with Mark McCabe, Maniac 2000. I know you're not going to agree with that, but I think that is just scaldy personified. I do, here's the only other thing. I, is there a, an instrumental version of Maniac out there anywhere? I'm sure there is, yeah. I'm oh, sure I don't we, know. I'm I mean, sure we could get on to Mark. <laughs> just, just ring him up. Oh, yeah. it's Evan McCabe. Yeah. Oh, it's Evan Maniac. 
and he gets straight through to Mark McCabe. Well, we know people that know him. We know people. We know people that know him well. Al Gibbs wrote that song. Exactly. It's up on Wikipedia. Check it out. Yeah. Al Gibbs, the legend from Freaks on Friday. So, are you telling me that Al Gibbs would not have a copy of that that we could use? No, because he says he hates it. And I think he burned everything to do with he it. He does not hate it. He said, "Told us he loves that he song." He does not. Deep down, he hates it. He he goes to sleep listening to that every single <laughs> night. You know it. No, do you know what he does beforehand? He's rapping in the mirror. She might have better, better. Yeah, what you do? Nothing out. Nothing out. Sorry. <clears throat> Uh, is there is there um, oh, I don't know is there a instrumental version of Maniac 2000 who knows but no, that's not a bad idea okay listen Avian our nurse friend came on last night and she yeah. wanted Malahide done she did but she wanted Coldplay yeah, Paradise okay. which is grand I mean it's a fine song I'm, I'm a fan of it but not for our last Scaldi song this come on this is one Dublin, of the older Dublin, versions Dublin. isn't Dublin. it on the dance floor Oh, it's an old version. I remember recording this onto a tape off the radio back in the day. Exactly. Yeah. And then one of us idiots would come in and go, that was me. And I was like, shut up, will you? Trying to record it off the radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, we have to use okay, this well, song. Please, can we? What's the chorus? I'm so bad at lyrics. Like, You're what's better. Maniac? Come She's on. a maniac. We're in Dublin. 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 terrible now. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's actually, she's actually, she's ten. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Blanche, okay, listen. Blanche, 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 Instead of Maniac, Kilbarak. Oh, you could just do Kilbarak. So yeah. we'll drop all of the other Dublin towns and just do Kilbarak. Kilbarak. Yeah, Kilbarak. Kilbarak. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, lads, I didn't realise it was actually an instrumental version of Maniac 2000 See, out there. See, now you're feeling... Ooh. You have to feel the pressure. Maniac... Well, Maniac might have worked for Ballybrack. We've done Ballybrack. Uh, Kilbarak. Is this not the ultimate scaldy Dublin shit? It is, yeah. Shit? It is, yeah. It is, yeah. Dublin tune It's the gospel This will be played out At funerals now In years to come yeah. You know what I mean Now I'll rise For the Maniac 2000 She <laughs> walked across The dance floor She was dressed to kill The response is How did she get it How did she know <laughs> <laughs> We offer each other The Mark McCabe Praise to you Lord Mark McCabe uh, That might work Okay uh, If you want Maniac 2000 For a Dublin anthem remix We'll try and squeeze In your area um, Or or something completely different. If you want Malahide, Port Marnock, or if you want Crumlin Dunn, or if you want uh, Terenure, or I'm trying to think Donna of the Rush, Lusk, Donna Bate, we have not done. Scaries, have we done Scaries? We've not done no, Scaries. No, we haven't, no. Sorry, there's loads of places in Dublin we haven't done. Uh, Darndale, Artane, wherever it is, Coolock, which we have yet to do either. Uh, 0876797104. Please do let us know. This is the last one we're doing. Let's do, let's do Al Gibbs proud for once. Yeah, just play silence out. We'll just be like, Al, we will leave all the dance tunes to you on a Friday night at 7 o'clock and not to anything else. He said he enjoys these tunes. He Could, said that to me. He enjoys... It's like people who enjoy watching fail videos and car crashes on YouTube. 
like train wrecks. He enjoys watching the train wreck. He of enjoyed Stilorgan. No, no. He, to- he, he told me to my face. I actually really enjoy that. He was wearing a mask and laughing underneath. Big smile. You just were like, oh my God, thanks so much, Al. Like, thanks, he was Al. Like, See you no, next week. No, definitely not. Uh, Al enjoys laughing at them for the crack. Uh, so listen, 0876797104. For the last one, if you want us to do where you're from, where you, is home to you in Dublin, do let us know. Drop us in on WhatsApp and we'll see. See where, how the voting goes and the suggestion goes. Speaking of, uh, you know, Great Dublin dance songs. Shane Codd, Irish producer, uh, has had huge, insane success with this song, and it's an absolute banger as well. Get out of my head. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. Oh, man. Yes. So am I. I'll have you know, Dermot, I played one match for Bose before. Bose under 21s, friendly match against Scaries. Is that your claim to fame? That's my claim to fame. All right, that is my one claim to fame back in the day. But against Scaries? Yeah. Is that why you went out to Scaries the other day? Oh, yeah, that's what I was playing. There, I was running around the pitch going, ah, yeah. Um, That's in relation to, obviously, news this evening from England or the European Super... Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. That uh, pretty much all the clubs have pulled out of it now. United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, City have formally withdrawn from their proposals for European Super League. Chelsea have Chelsea. I don't think they've officially come out and said that they're pulling out, but that's that's what well, that's what's happening at the moment anyway. Okay. Um they've pulled out so what was going to be a money spinner for a lot of the lads and a lot of those clubs didn't uh, work out the way. I just want to check Chelsea Chelsea's Twitter here now. Um, Chelsea Chelsea FC where are they now? Am I spelling Chelsea right? How does one spell Chelsea? There's no A in it, is There's there? There's no A. There we go. Well, there is at the end, obviously. Uh, have Chelsea released anything an hour ago? No. No, no, they haven't released anything. Anything yet. So they officially haven't come out, but apparently they are going to do that. So, um, yeah, listen, don't worry. We support. We, we. Well, someone else just wrote in there, Irish football is rubbish. Hang on a second. Irish football is not rubbish. No, I would. We do support. We support Rovers. We got played out in um, Tallis Stadium. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I support Rovers. Uh, Wait, was it Rovers we got played out? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tall Stadium, Shamrock yeah. Rovers. Yeah. Um, great old crack. And a ro- in fairness, a Rovers Bows match in either Tall Stadium or Daily Mount is insane. Well, I'll sing live for the next one. There you go. Sergio's going to be there in the middle of the stadium when we get back to normal. Sergio will be singing live in the middle 
of Tallah Stadium. Honestly, that would be a dream come true. That would probably cause riots, in fairness. And they'll be understandable. Oh, yeah. They'll be like, what are you doing? It'd be one of those things that I don't notice is happening around me. I'm just in my little bubble being yeah. like, okay. You think everyone's cheering you on? Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, the we have to move on shortly, but we're doing one final song for an area of Dublin. So we've done Fingless and Slogan and Cabra, loads of different places. So if you want us to remix... Uh, your area where you're from where your home is for you into a song a nice dance banger a nice scaldy banger uh, the scaldier the better let us know where who's famous from that area why we should include your area and if you have any ideas for songs as well that work well with your name like A.O. Captain Jack Bring Me Back to the Ballybrack was good and Let's Get Down Let's Get Down to Fingless worked very very well so one last time we're doing that this week suggestions please drop us in a WhatsApp on the way next though sex expert neuroscientist and author Dr Nan Wise will be on to talk about the orgasmic G scale what exactly it is and how it can improve drastically your experiences You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long FM 104 it's Room 104, it's Cormac and Saoirse here. You've probably heard of the Richter scale, the old uh, thing for measuring earthquakes and how much damage they can do, but is there anything to measure the shaking pleasure that you experience or don't experience in the bedroom? There's a new thing after being coined, invented and developed called the G scale. It's an interesting piece of, I don't want to say technology, it's an interesting piece of information that maybe will benefit you in reaching new levels of pleasure. To explain a little bit more about how and why it was developed, how it can benefit you, maybe your other half joins us now is a sex neuroscientist sex therapist author of the book why good sex matters dr nan wise how are you i'm absolutely delighted to be here with you both i'm always interested in talking about anything related to sex um what exactly is this that you have created developed or looked into what we've created is a tool to help women explore their sexual experiences. So we ask them questions about how they like to be stimulated, what's the quality uh, and satisfaction of their orgasm. And they get feedback developed by me based on my research about how they can expand their pleasure zones. So what they can implement to be able to create more sexual pleasure without striving to have an orgasm because that's like the worst thing you can do. You don't want to strive to a bigger, better orgasm or even an orgasm at all. It's really about understanding how our sexual selves work and learning how to work them better. So this was based on research that I did that mapped the projections from the various genital places for women. And we also did the same thing for men. And what we discovered, which makes sense based on the anatomy, because they're all, all these different regions are served by different nerves, like the, for example, the clitoris versus the internal vagina. Well, the vagina is internal anyway, but anterior wall of the vagina, the cervix, the nipples, which we don't consider often as genitals, but they all wire into the same place in the brain that I've termed, I call it's called the general sensory cortex, but I call it the brain's crotch. And it's actually tucked in right between the two hemispheres. So the more different inputs that you get from the various genitals, the more you get overlapping and bigger activation in this ground zero for our receiving pleasurable sensation. And this actually is true of men too, although the G scale is not designed for men, 
men can expand their pleasure by expanding how many different zones they get activated. And the other piece of it, which I think is the biggest lead story of my dissertation research, is that using your mind to focus on sensations and to imagine pleasurable stimulation can light up your brain like an orgasm. So we want to help women learn how to navigate increasing and expanding the different zones that they're getting stimulation and using their minds to be in the moment, to be receiving the sensations, maybe even fantasizing if they want to, but tuning the mind into the body channel. So this G, this orgasm G scale, which has been developed, I'm having a quick look at it here. I know it's obviously an outline. It starts off at level magnitude one, two, three, four, five, and then G plus, which I imagine is an earth shattering experience you have in the bedroom. But can you explain maybe um, what would be a magnitude one on the orgasm G scale? Well, a magnitude one would be maybe a woman masturbating by just kind of manipulating the the external clitoris and having her mind maybe be distracted. So it's just one zone. It's the inputs from the pedendal nerve. I'm getting a little technical here going into the genital sensory cortex. And if your mind is not actually on the sensations, then you're not going to have probably as fulfilling or enjoyable experience, whether or not you have an orgasm. Orgasms are almost kind of like not the point. It's experiencing the pleasure. So that would be a one. Would you like me to go to the, the top? Oh, please take us through. Yeah. So the highest level would be where a woman is receiving inputs from the clitoris, the vagina, also the G spot, which is not a spot, by the way, it's the clitoral urethral vaginal complex, which is the anterior wall, the belly side wall of the vagina. If you get stimulation there, you're pushing up against the female prostate and the internal clitoris. So then you're getting all those other inputs, plus a bit of nipple stimulation, which goes right to the same place, and a mind that's in the experience. So that all of those inputs, it's really more of kind of expanding the inputs so like if I, th- I think of it more as kind of going more expanded from just the clitoris and your mind not really being there to all these different delicious sensory inputs from your genitals and your nipples, which are wired that way in both men and women, although not everybody, not men, men don't always experience it as erotic. But it's like learning how to play all the different keys on our instrument. I love this so much. This is really cool. So can you, you know, sometimes when you're having sex, there's certain positions that they just don't, not that they don't feel good, but you're not feeling the same kind of pleasures as you would in other positions. So can you track this? Yes, you can. And what I would say is if women are not really all that keen on whether they know where their G-spot or the CUV is, the curve is a specially designed vibrator that's meant to really hit that note and it does a good job about it. So by just practicing it, and a a neuroscientist, we like to say that neurons, which are the cells that fire together, wire together. And the reason why I think women are more challenged, at least sometimes with finding their way to the orgasm or the, the sexual pleasure, in addition to all the other cultural things 
and, you know, the the stuff that goes along with being a woman is that we're not masturbating or learning how to play our instruments as, shall we say, enthusiastically as men do. So when you use the curve to really like pair that that stimulation and get the body to get used to getting the inputs from that area, it may make it more likely that you'll be aware of that area. And that you will be able to position yourself. For example, one of the best positions for getting that nailed, as it were, with sex and and intercourse is when the woman lies on her belly and it's kind of like a flat doggy style. So, you know, if you, it's kind of like really pushes up against the anterior wall, the belly wall of the vagina, the, the wall that faces the belly and presses upon that what's the paraurethral glands, which get all engorged. It's the female version of the prostate and also the legs, the, the um, internal clitoris is there too. So it's the CUV, clitoral urethral vaginal complex. And oh boy, that's lots of fun. Do women, and I know it might be slightly difficult to measure, but do women experience better orgasms than men? Well, I think I would know a little bit about that as a woman, but I've never been a man who had an orgasm. So it's hard to say. I will say having, you know, we've done pretty much the the uh, biggest uh, sort of uh, research into the, the orgasm brain. My experience is that women's orgasms are longer in general. Now, also, I've studied women the brains of of women who have multiple orgasms. I think women have incredible capacity for sexual potential. And I think men do as well. But I think one of the things that, you know, until we know what's possible as women and that we realize that even if our, it might be a little bit harder for us at first to find our way to orgasms, guys, they can find it pretty quickly. Usually, you know, the penis is an Audi. It's kind of hard to miss. (laughs) As I like to say. So I think we, you know, as women, I think we have incredible sexual potential. I will tell you, contrary to what you hear, like you think, oh, menopause, it's time for women to sexually retire. The, I had a I had a research participant who donated two orgasms in a row in my lab who was 74 years old. She was fabulous. She had one orgasm by stimulation herself and the other one, her partner had to reach into the scanner, no easy feat. And this woman who actually was never kind of developed sexually until she got a divorce after her kids left, she's bloomed into this amazing sexual creature. So I think it's really important for people in general to know pleasure is not a luxury, it's a necessity for well-balanced emotional brain as I write about in my book, and that the kind of pleasures that I call healthy hedonism are the things that we get that feel good and are good for us. So masturbation can be really good for us. Having sex with people who we have nice connections with can be really good for us. So it's about really using our bodies in a way that promotes healing and well-being. And okay, as you said, guys' organs on the right side, you know, it's kind of easy for them to maybe come. But girls, a lot of my friends would find they don't orgasm. They don't really have regular sex if they're not orgasming. They couldn't be bothered with it. I've never had this problem, but I just don't understand how we differ in that regard. Surely everyone can orgasm. Yes, we're pretty much wired in and we're not the only species that orgasm. Even mice and rats, females have orgasms. But to make a long story short, 
there really has been something called the sexual recession, which was going on before the pandemic, where younger people are having less and less sex and even some older people. And I think it has to do, and it's a big part of why I wrote my book about the inability for people to experience pleasures in and out of the bedroom, because we're hijacked by a certain kind of lifestyle where we're not really in the moment, we're not really connecting with each other. So I think this is part of the plight of what we're seeing in young people who aren't embodied, who aren't exploring connection with themselves and each other. And, you know, we can still get a lot of messages that, you know, it's okay to be sexual, but not too sexual. So, you know, my, my students at college and, you know, we're in the States, it's supposedly supposedly it's a lewd prude nation. America is quite the case. But, you know, the girls tell me in my classes, the young ladies about how they get shamed with a body count if they have more than one or two, three lovers where guys are celebrated. Mm -hmm. So we have a big disconnect between kind of blessing female sexuality and kind of seeing it as a wonderful experience for for a fully full development. You mentioned there about obviously the benefits of having a healthy sex life for your for your mental health and your emotional well-being and that it's it's good to have sex with like like-minded people. Were, were you talking about having sex with like where do you stand on polygamy versus um you know being with the one partner for the rest of your life? Do you think trying more from the menu might be beneficial and has monogamy ruined us in ways? Well, that's a great a great uh question. I'd like to make this distinction between polygamy and something like polyamory. Polygamy is where there's multiple wives and only and, and one husband. You know, I think everybody's wired different. There are some people who are absolutely happy to be with one partner. Now, in terms of monogamy, I think it's fair to say that we're not lifelong monogamous. People usually date around and have a couple of sexual partners and then partner and may not stay with that partner for life. I think that everybody needs to find what works for them. And I think it's you, you can have a perfectly wonderful life with one partner till death you part, you know, you part or you there are people who do what's called responsible non-monogamy where they're upfront and very clear about communicating with the people that they have intimate relationships with that may include sexuality. So different strokes for different folks. Yeah, because maybe that, like when I think about people that aren't maybe having a lot of sex, it's this whole kind of social norm to get married, to settle down, to buy a house, but maybe not necessarily compatible in the in the long run. Well, you know, I think in one of the things that takes up a lot of my time, I love working with helping people find sort of how to balance what's out of balance in their core emotional systems, where they might be a little bit more anxious, a little bit more depressed that gets in the way of their connecting, you know, with other people and, and having a kind of life that really the relationships, the people need tools. So most of my practice is really about helping people learn, like I write in my book, how to operate their brain minds better and how to partner with other people better. And that really is a whole lot of fun. It's a joy. If, if you've just tuned in, we're chatting to Dr. Nan Wise about the, the G-Scale, which is a new orgasm G-Scale, help to kind of uh, improve your experiences inside the bedroom, especially if you're a, a woman. Um, and before we let you go, because thanks for giving up your time tonight. We appreciate it. We could literally talk about this for, for hours. What one tip would you have for, for you know, maybe this woman listening now who'd love one small little tip that she could use to apply to her own sex life or to just improve slightly? her orgasms. That's a great, a great idea is to kind of 
tune into the body channel more and be kind of attuned to, we have thoughts in our minds, we have emotional weather, and then we have these bodies that we, if we embody and we pay attention to sensations, whether it's when we're having sex or whether we're connecting with other people, we're going to be a lot more present. And that's where the fun is. And if your listeners have any questions or want to book a free 15 minute meeting with me, they can go to my website, AskDrNan.com. Doctor spelled that with all the letters. Well, listen, uh, Dr. Nan Wise, an absolute pleasure. Ton of uh, gold and important information there, as you said. AskDrNan.com if you want a little bit more information on that. And her book, Why Good Sex Matters, is available from all your usual book places at the moment anyway. But listen, uh, Doctor, thanks a million for popping on F104 tonight. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.